I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We are back again and baby come back you can blame it all on me yes (laughs) okay i was trying to say hallelujah and my tongue got (laughs) (laughs) nothing can stop me (laughs) all the way up that's what this is now i can't oh my god the struggle okay so today today we'll be doing yeah I will be doing Haunted Salem Part 2. Woo! It's happening. It's corn. It's happening. No. Yes. I like the little corn song, and I don't care what anybody thinks, because that little kid is so cute. And I know that you can think that the kid's cute. It nothing to do with the kid. It's the song. It just makes me happy. They play it too much. Well, they play everything too much. It's not his fault. Not everything. I'll support everything he's in. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to start off with the old Salem jail. Tim McGuire, local historian and owner of the Salem Night Tour, informed Saul Baltrus, Baltru, Sal, <laughs> <laughs> that was a real struggle. <laughs> Sal, because I'm like, I think I said Saul, but it's Sal. I gotta get my my A high enough. An owner of Salem Night Tour informed Sal Baltrusis for his book, Ghost of Salem. <laughs> oh no. I'm not <laughs> It's because I'm so sleepy. <laughs> okay, so it's not Sal Baltrusis. It is Sam Baltrusis. So I'm just sliding this in here now. Because I messed it up. And then I was going to add it in. And then we can move on. For his book, Ghosts of Salem, that back in the 17th century, the property was once the site for Giles Corey's death during the Salem witch trials. So this has been a whole thing. Because I feel like they thought Giles Corey died in one place and he didn't. He actually died at the site of the old Salem jail. The jail has also held some infamous criminals. The most notorious being the Boston Strangler. In the 1960s, the Boston, for those who don't know who the Boston Strangler is, um, in the 1960s, the Boston Strangler went by a variety of names, the Mad Strangler of Boston, the Phantom Strangler, the Green Man, I don't know why. The Green Man. What's that about? I don't know. Among others. But perhaps one name he almost never went by was Albert DeSalvo, the man behind the 13 murders. Which there's some people who don't think that he did those either. But that's a whole new can of worms. A whole new world. (laughs) A whole new can of worms. So, starting in June 1962, the Boston Strangler's murder spree through Boston was calculated and shocking. He had an elusive ability to coerce women into letting them into their apartments, in which he would strangle the women with generally her nylon stockings. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Albert DeSalvo came into the picture when he allegedly entered a woman's home, posing as a detective in 1964. After assaulting her, he left and was later identified as the woman's attacker. So, DeSalvo was immediately locked up in the Old Salem Jail, then called the Essex County Correctional Institute. He confessed his identity as the notorious Boston Strangler to his fellow inmate, George Nassar, who then reported the omission to his attorney, F. Lee Bailey. Huh, what a name. I feel like he's a famous lawyer, or like attorney. It sounds really familiar, but anyway probably should know it and it'll be embarrassing that i don't know it but whatever so you know i don't <laughs> de salvo was sentenced to life in prison in 1967 though he escaped from the bridgewater state hospital which bridgewater for morbid people y'all know about the bridgewater triangle this is all mm-hmm. up in morbid's area yeah so he escaped from the state hospital a few months later in bridgewater he was later caught re-imprisoned and then found stabbed to death in the infirmary six years later So he got got like somebody got him. I don't know who, but there's all this stuff about how he may or may not have been the Boston Strangler. And I don't know. It's intense. Um, Good case, though. And Morbid Mm -hmm. does a great case on it. So, okay. In 1991, the time came to see the Salem jail shut its doors. When the inmates were released to make the move to the new facility, they completely trashed the jail. Food was thrown, trash cans were lit on fire, and the five-gallon urine buckets were hurled at the walls. Why are there five-gallon urine buckets? Because they ain't got no toilet. But why don't they have toilets? It's 1991. Hmm. They cheat. I was about to say, jails have toilets. What's going on? So anyway, according to the Salem Evening News, one inmate wrote, (laughs) We won. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? This is a jail's got toilet. <laughs> they do. They're supposed to. <laughs> this is a problem. Like, I know they're in jail, but they still have basic human rights. Like, they need a toilet. This is insane. Why are there buckets of pee everywhere? Okay. So, yes, according to the Salem Evening News, one inmate wrote, We won in toothpaste in the prison's rectory. Oh, in the prisoner's rectory. Excuse me. TVs were smashed, windows broken. By the time that the riots quieted, the old Salem jail had a lot of damage. For the next decade, the property sat vacant. Vacant? (laughs) The property sat vacant. It was vandalized, and then the homeless were using it as a place of shelter. When the city of Salem purchased the abandoned jail in 2001, it was for only $1. They were hoping that a developer would come along and renew life into the former jail. But it was not until... 2009 that the new boston ventures proposed historic luxury apartments for 10.7 million on the first day on the market 17 of the 22 apartments were accounted for anywhere between 1000 to 2700 dollars a month wow yeah so they renovated the old salem jail into luxury apartments that go for a thousand to 2700 dollars a month not me yeah i don't First of all, haunted. Haunted. Because it's on here. So no one seemed to mind that they were now living in a place where riots regularly happened or that some of Boston's most notorious criminals had been imprisoned there. The lavish new apartments kind of cleared the place of its dark past. Since the jail was abandoned in the early 1990s, sightings of ghosts have become quite regular happenings. 
Those passing by the then empty jail swore they saw lights flickering inside. Despite, mm-hmm. okay, no, despite the fact that the prison was no longer hooked up to the electrical circuits. Uh-uh. Eerie. Okay. So what's going on? Jesus said, let there be light, and there was light. Well, the ghosts are in on it, too, apparently. Listen, eerie screams have been heard at all hours of the day. The day, not the night, the day. The day. <laughs> sick the, the, day. the day. And for those who were brave enough to step within its abandoned walls, often were witnesses to shadow people lurking in the halls. Lurking. I like that word. I do too. <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh, I do too. <laughs> I do. Lurking. Lurking, but I like lurking. I'm going to be lurking outside your window. Mm. Well, y'all heard it here first. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I promise. I'm going to say I swear. I swear. I swear. I just realized how creepy that song is. Not like all of it, but like, I'll be the shadow by your side. <laughs> if you see a shadow, it's not me. Like the shadow that's by your side, I'll be there. Like, I get what, it, yeah. I get what they're meaning, but like. Well, just, I had to re sing it because I was like. If you just. Say I'm just it, saying it like, not known. I'm obsessed. It's like I'll be watching you. <laughs> that's scary. I'll be watching. Every step you take, every move you make, every vow you break. I'll be watching I'll you. be watching you. Eyes <laughs> on dick. Eyes <laughs> on dick. <laughs> okay. Over the years, there have been a number of inmate escapes from the Salem jail. People have claimed to see full body apparitions sprinting across the front lawn as though desperate to finally make it out. Uh-uh. N- there's nothing worse than a running ghost to me. Don't be running anywhere. Don't you dare run. You better float slowly. <laughs> Don't run. Don't run. It Running just makes, makes it worse. It does. So we got sprinting ghosts on the front lawn. And in the dead of night, when these ghosts are seen, the sound of chains rattling is never far behind. Because this is back then when they had the chains. Mm-mm. All the chains. In I mean, there's still chains, but you know. Now I've been walking in my sleep. <laughs> I like this. This is going to be a good episode for everybody because we used to sing like sometimes and we hadn't in a while. Yes. So now they're getting a little music. It's going to be heavily edited with all this stuff. And we don't own the rights to these songs. In one of the upstairs windows of the jail, it's not uncommon to see a shadowy figure step close to the glass. Mm -mm. No. Why they got to move? Why can't they just... I don't know. I don't like it. Most of the time, he has seen... Holding a candle as he roams from one room to another. Why he roaming? I don't like it. He should have roamed when he was alive. Yeah, that's the time to roam, not now. But weirdly enough, the floor that the spirit wanders on no longer exists and is said to have collapsed years ago. So, yeah. Mm -mm. He's just floating. Just floating. So, during the Civil War... Confederate soldiers were allegedly imprisoned in the old Salem jail. More recently, there have been sightings of spirits wearing 19th century clothing at the old jail. Some believe these ghost soldiers, mm -mm, some believe these ghostly, ghostly, 
Ghostly. Some believe these ghostly soldiers to be the source of the agonizing cries heard all throughout the night, and some link the soldiers to the spirit with the candle. Huh. Uh-huh. So, according to Ghost of Salem author Sam Baltrusis, several prisoners who spent time at the Essex County Correctional Institute said they shared a cell with long-gone inmates or residents, as they were called in eighties, in the 80s from the Civil War era. So people, literally the inmates were like, yeah, it's haunted. Okay. Now, Gallows Hill is my next one. There have been full-bodied apparitions spotted within the woods, disembodied voices shrieking in the middle of the night, so eerie that the startling sound sends chills racing down the spines of even the most unflappable people. Unflappable. I don't want Unflappable. It's an interesting word. In October of 1992, nearly 200 people gathered together, all from various churches in the area, and they were extremely worried about the dark energy that stained Gallows Hill. The following day, the Salem Evening News claimed before the formal program of singing and prayer began, a a group of close to 100 gathered into a small, tight-knit circle. Knit is not in there. A tight circle on top of Gallows Hill, raised their arms skyward and chanted, The curse over Salem with witchcraft is broken. They then circled the town water tower on top of the hill, which is decorated in the drawing of a witch, and performed a laying on of hands on the tower as a sign of spiritual healing. So they laid hands on the tower. We've heard of this. We've heard of laying mm-hmm. hands. Laying on of hands. That's cracking me up. The laying on of hands. Mm-hmm. Like they laid hands on the tower. They done laid hands. They done laid hands on the tower. Okay, so respectful. Nope. Respect for the dead. Fear of the evils of witchcraft and guilt for the slandering of the condemned has been a common reason why many believe Gallows Hills is haunted. Visitors say they are immediately consumed with a sense of foreboding dread. Ghost tour guides who once made the artist trek. <laughs> Why? It's funny because every time you struggle <clears throat> with a word, I'm like waiting for it to be this big word and it's like hard. The word hard. Yeah. No, I'm just like saying <laughs> stuff that ain't making sense. Now, artists, I was like, arduous? I don't even know. Ghost tour guides who once made the trek up the hill with their guests no longer do so, convinced that there's something evil lurking in the depths of Gallows Hill. As one company put it, something occurs at the eerie spot and it's not uncommon to see guests burst into tears upon entering the area. Don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Absolutely not. Strange sounds emerge from the area at night, knocking and thumping that wakes the neighbors from their sleep. And of course, the full-bodied apparitions said to walk the ground certainly don't make for a leisurely stroll through the park. Who has time to be doing all that? Nobody. Nobody. Just walking through the park and hearing noises and seeing stuff. Nope. Nope. I'm Gucci. I'm out. Bouncing. Yeah. Already bounce. (laughs) Yep. So... It's it's over. We're not doing it. Now, the next one is the Hawthorne Hotel, which officially opened for business 
with a three-day celebration that took place on July 21st, 1925. So it's almost 100 years old at this point. Mm -hmm. So it's really fancy, and famous people have decided to stay here. So the famous people who have stayed here are Johnny Cash, Liza Minnelli, Betty Davis, former President George Bush. I don't know if it's W or HW. They didn't say. Colin Powell, Walter Cronkite, and the cast of the 1970s sitcom Bewitched, Bewitched, which also featured the hotel in one of its episodes, Hmm. which I want to go see. So when the Hawthorne opened, it had six floors, 150 rooms, and a main lobby that was two floors high. Wow. Mm -hmm. Including a mezzanine and a balcony. Fancy. In the 1950s, as more people came to own vehicles, the Hawthorne changed its name to the Hawthorne Motor Hotel. In order to stay with the styles of the changing times, the Hawthorne modernized its look, possibly to its detriment. The hotel's powers that be replaced the second floor balcony with space for business meetings and covered the ballroom's beautiful windows. Uh Uh-oh. Now you know people don't be feeling that. You know the ghosts don't like the reconstruction of anything. They're like, no thank you. We would like to keep our beautiful ballroom windows. So... It was during this period that the Hawthorne once again underwent a name change, this time to the Hawthorne Inn. Finally, in 1989, it returned to the name Hawthorne Hotel and has remained so ever since. So they just kept changing. They're like, oh, we're going to be the hotel. Like, this is like when those small town gas stations keep changing and you call it the same thing. (laughs) This is it. It's like, no, it's the Hawthorne Inn. I would not be calling it the Motor Inn. No. And the this Inn and the that. Like, no, we don't have time. So, yeah, since 89, it's been the Hawthorne Hotel. So, with its ballroom ceiling reaching a height of 18 feet and 10 inches, which is huge, fancy, many functions are held here, including weddings. Featuring fine dining and beautiful ballrooms, the Hawthorne Hotel is one of Salem's finest institutions. And the continual upkeep and everything earned it a place on the Historic Hotels of America by the National Trust for Historic Preservation. So now they're like, you know, like a little landmark almost, and they have to keep it preserved to a certain level, and like they can't really do any more renovations to Mm -hmm. it. So I guess that'll stop that. Some of the people haunting slash hauntings of the Hawthorne include Bridget Bishop, the first woman executed during the trials for the practice of witchcraft was said to have owned an apple orchard upon which this hotel was later built. Huh. Yep. Them built over her apple orchard. So many guests maintain that they have encountered her very spirit within the hotel. In front of the sixth floor's room 612, the apparition of a woman is often seen standing still. No. No, no, no. From time to time, she will wander up and down the hallway where room 612 is located. From time to time, she will wander up and down the hallway where room 612 is located. Within the room, guests have complained of the sensation that they are not alone and as if someone is sharing the room with them. Mm -mm. And inside room 325 of the third floor, there have been several reports of hearing an unseen baby crying, lights turning off and on, and even water faucets inexplicably turning on. Hmm. And even the water faucets inexplicably turning on and off. Others have reported numerous unidentifiable sounds. One particular employee refuses to work nights ever again. 
During his evening shift, after cleaning a room, he went to get supplies and returned to find the room's entire configuration changed around. Mm-mm. I would never. Also, in the hotel's restaurant, the tavern is a ship's wheel. The tavern is a ship's wheel on display. Used in the steering of a ship, this display will often turn back and forth as if it's being controlled by one of Salem's sea captains. Visitors have reported experiencing odd sensations near these rooms, as well as hearing actual ghostly voices. Some folks have detected the unexplained smell of apples, perhaps serving as verification that the Hawthorne was built over Bridget's orchard. So the haunted history is such a big thing that sci-fi's ghost hunters visited the hotel in 2007 to film an investigation. And the hotel itself actually held a seance in 1990 and tried to contact the spirit of legendary magician Harry Houdini. So, like, even they've done seances and stuff. So, guests have continually reported furniture moving all on its own, strange sounds and smells, and ghostly sightings. And it is often ranked as one of the most haunted hotels in America. Mm. Yes. So... Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Now, my last one is the Turnal Ingersoll Mansion. This house is known for being one of the most haunted houses in Salem. Originally called the Turner Ingers. <laughs> Originally called the Turner Ingle. <laughs> Turner Ingles Wilder. Ingersoll. Turner Ingersoll. Originally called the Turner Ingersoll. It's just not sounding good. <laughs> Originally called the Turner Ingersoll Mansion for its founder, John Turner, the son of an indentured servant, started out as an invested hat and shoe merchant who finally developed enough wealth to build the house in 1668 and from the sea captain who would be the second owner of the home outside the original family. The house was written about in Nathaniel Hawthorne's book, The House of Seven Gables. So... You know the House of Seven Gables? I would have the book, I think. Okay. Like, this is the house. Oh, wait. That's Anna Green Gables. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Close. Close. <laughs> Just kidding. I well, love that book, though. And the movie. They made a movie of Anna Green Gables, right? I probably. Yeah. Well, the House of Seven Gables is a Nathaniel Hawthorne book. And... You know, it's this is the black house that you always see in the Salem pictures, and it has all the little yeah. gables. That's this house. It's haunted. Yeah, House of Seven Gables. <laughs> um, the original house was simpler than the one that stands today, only having two rooms and two and a half stories tall. Then Turner decided to become a captain and became incredibly wealthy. Mm. He would, yeah. So like this house, when you see it, it's huge. It's gorgeous. And you think about it, it's been around since, like, the 1600s. Like, how was this nice house a thing? Like, what's going on? And it started out just being two rooms and two and a half stories tall. Then Turner became that captain and added um, a kitchen lean-to, a south wing to the house, and a two-story porch. He also added the secret staircase that is talked about in House of Seven Gables. And by the time John Turner died in 1742, he was one of the wealthiest men in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. 
So much so, his son inherited six homes, 200 acres of land, and a handful of ships at Salem's Port. That's a lot of homes. Yeah, that's a lot of everything. 200 acres of land, six homes, and a handful of ships. Then a sea captain named Samuel Ingersoll bought the home and intended to make the home more elegant. He removed the famed gables and exchanged them for intricate Victorian detail work. This is when Samuel's daughter, Susanna, would invite her cousin, Nathaniel Hawthorne, over, and the rest is history. So, like, when Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote this book, he actually knew the people who owned the house, and it was his family. It wasn't like some house he just grew up seeing. Yeah. So, for many years, there have been a number of spirits reported at the Turner Ingersoll Mansion. Turner Ingersoll Mansion. In the famous Secret Staircase... Visitors have witnessed the spirit of a man clambering up and down the stairs. No. Those who have seen him are quick to link his special, his ghost to the Underground Railroad. But the Turner House, even during the 18th and 19th centuries, was never a stop on the Underground Railroad. And those secret steps were not even built until nearly 50 years after the Civil War. So I don't know why these secret steps were built. I don't understand, but the fact that there's a man going up and down them, mm-mm, that's just not, it's not sitting well with me. I don't like it. So others report seeing a phantom boy who enjoys playing in the attic. Throughout the day, his little footsteps can be heard pouncing around upstairs as he giggles and laughs. According to... According to one historian, the attic space once functioned as the servants' quarters for the property. It is possible that one of the ghosts, like the ghost boy, is one of the servants who once lived there. Hmm. So, some people believe that the little boy is actually Julian, which is Nathaniel Hawthorne's son. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so then the last frequently seen specter at the House of the Seven Gables is none other than Susanna Ingersoll, Nathaniel's cousin, Nathaniel Hawthorne's cousin, who told him about the terrible tales of the Salem witch trials and Mm. all that. Um, Her spirit has been spotted walking the halls of her former home and even peeking out the windows to those who enter the estate through the garden below. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So... In October of 2006, one visitor, Christopher, toured the Turner Ingersoll with his girlfriend. Unfortunately, they arrived too late, 7.30, and the museum, <laughs> 7.30, they arrived too late at 7.30, and the museum was already closed for the day. They stayed a while anyway, snapping photos and genuinely enjoying the atmosphere of the property. The following day, they returned to Salem in the early evening to make sure they didn't miss the chance, you know, to get the tour two days in a row. Yeah. They checked in, and according to the story, never knew the place was supposed to be haunted. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when Christopher descended to the bottom of the infamous attic stairs, he heard the distinct sound of a woman's voice next to his ear. Shh, shh, the voice murmured. murmured. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The voice murmured. Christopher whipped around, expecting to see his girlfriend right there, but she wasn't. Apparently, she was still a good four feet away, standing in the middle of the stairwell, and hadn't said a single word. Absolutely not. So, those are the other 
places that are haunted in Salem. Nice. Yes. I'm very, I want to go to Salem. I want to go to all these places. Yeah. It's on my bucket, my bouquet list. My bouquet list. My bouquet list. So, yeah. Want to go to Salem. I want to go to all these places. I don't know if I want to go. I don't know. I mean, if they're on tours and people are like, shh, shh, mm-mm. Yeah, that's... And the man the man going up and down the steps, I don't... Mm-mm. I don't... Mm-mm. So, that's just kind of creeping me out. But, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you'd like to tell us your stories, anything at all, you email us at a murders at gmail.com. And you can hop on our Instagram, a million murders. Look at the people, places, things... Of the cases that we do, then you can go on. <laughs> then you can go on Facebook and check out what we post when we do. <laughs> and uh, if you ain't got an email, you can do requests there, questions, whatever. If you have any, if you want to start engage with people conversations, and we have the group too. So, yes. like the page. Yes, please like the page. Also, you can message us on Messenger. Yes, we have that set up too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. if it's easier to, for you to do that than do email, it. then do whatever's easier for you. Yep. Because we love you. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. We I meant to put out like a Thanksgiving we're thankful for you, for all of you listeners thing and I forgot so just so you know we're very thankful for each and every one of you thank you for listening to our podcast we really appreciate it we have fun doing it and you know hopefully you like us if you don't that's okay we're not for everybody but you don't have to leave (laughs) you don't have to leave a review if you don't like us just go on I like the bad reviews I don't so please I do don't I don't like them. Okay. Makes me feel powerful for some reason. For having a bad review? Yeah. How does negativity make you feel powerful? Because they're just jealous. <laughs> they just, just they haters. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're haters. They just wish they were this cool. Haters. All right. Well, did we get did we get everything? We got everything. Yep. Okay. Thank you all so much. For tuning in. And we hope that you come back for a, a million, million more. more. Bye. Oh, okay. Okay.